like Lex is supposed to be, at least in my mind, going with the comics, all of that, he's supposed to be evil Batman without the justice. Welcome to Ingenious Perspectives. Um, on this podcast, we aim to discuss issues that have impacted the African American community for generations. It's our goal to not just discuss these issues from our point of view, but from various research perspectives. We invite you to come expand your paradigms with us today. Um, as always, I'm Dominic Speller. And I'm Lawrence McGarren. Um, today, uh, we're going to come from a different direction because we haven't nerded out for you guys in quite some time. And given that Zack Snyder's Justice League was released uh, just last Thursday, this feels like an appropriate time to nerd out. So before we get deep into it, just thoughts. Just, just If you yeah. could just give me one sentence about this Justice League. I'll give you one word. Okay. Better. <laughs> better. Better. And here's why it was better. So the first Justice League that we got in 2017, 18, somewhere in there, um, Zack Snyder had been working on this Justice League. He had an idea for that one. I think he'd already developed the idea for the next two. Um, and unfortunately, his daughter committed suicide during filming. Yeah, tragic. So he left filming. Um, Warner Brothers gave the reins over to Joss Whedon to finish out Snyder's vision. And for one reason or another, or any myriad of reasons, it did not come out the way that Snyder wanted it. In fact, it is said that when his wife went to the premiere, she told her husband to not watch the movie. Um, she knew how disappointing it would be. Um, fast forward. Everyone is saying Snyder cut, Snyder cut, Snyder cut. We know there's a Snyder cut. We know that there's his vision for this movie was not met. And we want to see his dream. And... They kept saying, the uh, studio kept saying, there is no Snyder Cut. We're never going to release a director's cut. Like, the movie you got is the movie that it is. Um, then deals with HBO Max go down. Uh, with HBO go down. We get HBO Max. A lot of DC stuff gets moved over to HBO Max. And HBO starts saying, well, yeah, Warner Brothers, we hear you, but we're HBO. And we want to see certain things. So all of a sudden, there's all these DC movies that are now coming out. And amongst these movies, uh, Zack Snyder, he's given a budget to do reshoots for his movies and uh, for his vision and do edits where he needs. And um, we eventually get the Snyder Cut, a four hour and two minute epic um, from the mind of Zack Snyder. Yeah. And sticker shock there four hour movie. Four hour movie. I will say though that watching a four hour movie, there was nothing in that movie that I would have taken out. Um, yeah. Maybe so. Uh, there was a the scene with uh, with Alfred and Wonder Woman. They are they're having a mild discussion about tea, um, but that was the foreground for a very important discussion later. Right, without giving any spoilers, that was the foreground for an important discussion they were having right after. I can't think of in my head any of the major scenes. And that was like 30 seconds. I can't think of in my head any major scene of like five to 10 minutes, any any interactions that were taken out. I feel like Zack Snyder's um, vision 
right? That that plot thread throughout the movie is the same, but he expands on it so much more so that it flows uh, much more cohesively. I feel like Joss Whedon's movie, he cut out a lot of things. And so you get to a point and you're, all right, so I'm watching a movie and person A is sitting in the living room. And next thing I know, person A is speeding down the highway with four cop cars behind him. I'm like, wait, what happened? How did we get here? I don't know. All right, they're going to do a flashback and explain it. No, no, we're not. We're moving on. Uh, okay. And that was Joss Whedon's Justice League. It upset me yeah. greatly. Yeah, so we we did a little mini watch party for this. And right afterwards, had that exact conversation. What right. could I have cut from that movie? Because four hours is hard. It is. Uh, But nothing. You know, yeah. got to agree here. Like, maybe 30 seconds here or there. But it doesn't, you know. You yeah, change for hours. And, and the other thing is, I, with it being released for HBO and for Home Watch, Vice Theaters, I think people were more willing to do oh, it. Yeah. So you got to talk about, we just had the phenomenon of Hamilton six months ago. Everyone watched this two hour and 46 minute play, which is not even a, um, a delivery method that the common American is used to enjoying, right? We're talking about people who watch movies. They don't even read books, right? They don't right. watch plays. They don't go to theater. But people sat through this two-hour and 46-minute play about Alexander Hamilton. So, you know, minds are now open to the possibilities of streaming releases and what people are willing to endure in a in a comfortable home environment where I can pause go grab a soda where I can pause and go pick up some food, right? In any of these things versus sitting for four hours in the theater. And we know that people are even willing to do that based on the Lord of the Rings and Avengers Endgame. Absolutely. All right. So we will be getting into spoilers in this. If this is something at all you want to get into. Oh, we're going to hit up with spoilers. Uh, there will be a point that we say, Stop listening. Go watch the movie. <laughs> come come back, back. Come back later. Before we do that, we're going to talk about the original release. <sighs> okay. Let's, let's, just, let's just kill that. What do you, what do you, first thing come to mind for your original release? Uh, original release, first thing comes to mind. There's a scene in the trailer where Cyborg is flying into the sky and he covers his face with a full mask um instead of his normal like half human half cyborg face his face goes to a full cyborg mask as he flies up into the sky and i thought that was so amazing and it never made it into the original movie um and that that upset me um i wanted to see it uh i wanted to see i want to see development um from the green lanterns right oh the, yes. the original in the original movie um in the big battle we have this lantern oh man i'm gonna sneeze oh man it's right there but it's not here yet okay anyway so this is gonna happen um so <laughs> we have this like green lantern that we kind of see a green light flying off in the background but we never really get any more than that about the movie i don't like the implied weakness of uh wonder woman and aquaman right so i get that we mess with power levels for movies but in the comic books wonder woman can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with superman aquaman can go toe-to-toe toe-to-toe -to -toe with superman so for these characters to be so mercilessly beaten by steppenwolf and then superman just comes in and punches them one time and boom that's it like it just kind of it bothers me right it, i don't I, it doesn't sit well with me it doesn't so. set up 
anything for a, a larger universe. Steppenwolf has been bebopping around with yeah, with it alludes to it in the original to Dark Side. Well, I don't you know? feel like we got enough allusion to Dark Side in the original. No, that's not the at other all. problem that we did not we did not get anything to understand that Steppenwolf is not the big bad. Steppenwolf is the big bad's like bitch for lack yeah, of a better he's word. Yeah, boy. Yeah. That's yeah. that's that's just the guy I send out as part of my vanguard. He's not like he's not anything. And um he's this guy who's just mopping the floor with Justice League and we're like when they beat him, oh great, they saved the world. Like, no, they didn't save anything. Steppenwolf is Steppenwolf is nothing compared to what's coming for them later. I I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't like the way they beat Steppenwolf, where it was the parademons who take him up. I, of, no, no, yeah, that's that not enough. Like, the threat has not ended. You just, oh, I'm scared now, so the parademons attack me. Like, that's it? Yeah. Parademons just feed off of fear? They just they just attack anybody who's scared? Okay, cool, great. See, they don't have anybody scared on their side. I yeah, guess. apparently. There's, nobody, there's no fear in all of Apocalypse, even though Darkseid is this... Right, towering yeah. presence. Yeah. So uh, it's yeah. just it was just uh and then Steppenwolf when he goes and gets all the mother boxes in the original, mm-hmm. each one of those fights are are nothing. Pathetic fights. Absolutely nothing. pathetic fights. The Amaz- Amazonians are just swatted aside. The uh you know, for the uh, Atlantis swat the Atlanteans are swatted aside. Yeah. And then and he just picks the other one off the street. Doesn't even there's not even a fight there. He no. Just, no. There was, and that was another thing. You don't really get, I don't remember the first one giving us a good idea as to how Steppenwolf got the third mother box. They just show the boom tube in the background okay. after Superman flies off with Lois. And oh, okay, okay. He goes, boom. And they go, oh, he got, there goes the third box. Yeah. Nope. Don't like that. Didn't like that at all. Yeah. Also, um, the, what was the other scene that bothered me? Superman, now, this was in both movies. Superman just overpowering the entirety of the Justice League. Wonder yeah. Woman, Cyborg, and Aquaman just could do nothing. All three of them? Like, nah, nah. Not to mention the Flash. I don't buy it. Yeah. Now, Superman being fast enough to give the Flash trouble or hit the Flash, like, that's believable. Yeah, that that happens. Um, because the Flash is not... Now, the Flash can be faster than Superman, but the Flash is not regularly running at the speed of light, right? His top speed is more than Superman's, but that's not where the Flash is on a normal basis when he's just fighting. So, you know, it's believable that if the Flash is entering this situation, having never fought Superman before, that he wouldn't understand Superman's speed. And so he's not hitting his own top speed. Yeah, and and then the other... I, and I got, I had this question watching the second, you know, watching the Snyder release just because I didn't really think about it the first time because I was geeking out too hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was, what was the Flash going to do? Um, hit him, probably. Just, I mean, so, right, we, we understand force to be mass and acceleration. Flash doesn't have that much mass, but he can get a shit ton of acceleration. They don't show that. Right. In the... Uh, they don't talk Most, about they don't talk about that too much at all, but nah. um, right in the Flash TV show he does what yeah. he, I think he calls it like a mock punch or whatever. He just it, it was in one of the in the very first season within like the first three episodes they were telling him look bro you got to get up to like X speed 
to um and then just punch this guy with all you got like that's it that's the only way because flash is trying to hit him and he's hitting him really fast hitting him a bunch and the guys just like swapped him off he's like look bro your only option is just run as fast as you can and hit that guy and so yeah uh, yeah uh, they i think uh one of the x-men movies with the quicksilver or quick the yeah, quickster, quicksilver, quicksilver yeah, yeah. uh they they show that you know when he he just flicks one of the security guards yeah. on the cheek, and the shockwave shows, yep. and all that. That's they show that in there, um, yeah. but we don't really see that in the Flash. Yeah, we don't see the Flash do too movies. much fighting at all in either the old or new Justice League. Yeah. That is, uh, we'll go ahead and throw that spoiler out there that uh, the Flash, while central, very central, yeah, to the movie, um, we do not see him engaging in combat. And I don't know if that's because the Flash is still supposed to be like kind of new to this thing. Like you see um, what he does, uh, what he had done in the video where Bruce Wayne finds him or where Lex Luthor actually found yeah, him. Yeah, he beats up some um, guys. He just like tossed some guy, stopped a robbery. He didn't really like engage in fighting. And so it's possible that the Flash is not because he's so fast. He's not an experienced fighter because how many people are able to move mm. with him? Um, uh, yeah, I mean that's the same thing for Superman. You yeah. say he's not experienced fighting because he never he doesn't right. have to fight. Superman, and that's why he loses to Wonder Woman. Um, in the comics is because Superman is just a brawler. He's it's the same Hulk Thanos, right? That fight, Hulk is just a bruiser. No one has ever been able to go toe to toe with him on power. So when Thanos is actually able to fight with yeah. skill, Hulk didn't stand a chance. Superman, Wonder Woman. Superman's just a bruiser. No one tries to go toe-to-toe with him. So when you have an experienced fighter who's trained in so many different martial arts on this secret island her whole life, right? Superman loses that fight. So it's, it's that same concept um, throughout this movie. But yeah, I... Uh, I you mean, know, the biggest, the most underwhelming scene for me, though, in the uh, original was definitely the the attack on the little, the complex at the end. First, they come in with the bat copter or whatever right. it is, okay, and and shoot down the tower. They shoot down the tower with a couple missiles. Tell me why they didn't call in any help assistance. Rest of you know, the world's military, whatever. A couple okay. couple vigilantes going there and do some stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, Batman's rolling through, shooting up a bunch of parademons. Bullets work apparently. Also, okay, might might want to just call somebody. If bullets can work, then you know we could do some other stuff. Okay, that's true. Uh, and then, you know, they, they roll around. There's some cool little fight scenes in there. Uh, but then they just, you know, do this thing where Steppenwolf just stomps on everybody. Yeah. You know? That fight, that scene was disappointing. And Batman's, uh, like, Batman was corny in that movie is the problem to me. Batman was just, he was just weird. In the first movie, Batman was weird. Why would you egg on Diana? Right? When he talked about how she was still hung up on her boyfriend in you the first what? movie. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. For for Batman as a character to try to push Diana's buttons like that. That doesn't make any sense. Um, the it's, it's against this whole, like, Batman, Batman in the Justice League is supposed to be... He's, like, the most... Emotionally intelligent master manipulator, yeah, for the and, on for the good reasons type. I mean, I'm not gonna say that in the comics he's never 
said some messed up stuff to league members, but to pick that moment, right, to to choose that quarrel with Diana just doesn't make sense, right? To to me, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, the whole Aquaman talking about how scared he was while the lasso of truth was sitting around his leg like that was corny get out of here we're not well you know what that was that was that was joss wheaton yeah that was an attempt to to make him like the marvel movies yeah get a little (laughs) avenger avenger vibe a little thor vibe yeah get some get some comic relief going throughout the movies Mm. yeah and it's not necessary um i didn't like well i didn't like bruce wayne uh or batman when Superman threw him into the police car, oh, that's gonna leave a mark. Okay, really, really, that's what Batman says. That's what Batman is yeah, saying been, in that moment. He's been kicking ass in Gotham, getting they say, getting beat up. They said that he's been doing years. this for twenty years. Yeah, and Superman throws him into a car, and his response is, "That's gonna leave a mark." Really, really, this Batman is saying that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, get out of here, get out of here. I, gosh, just yeah, they, they, you set up the universe to be very dark. Yeah. you know real gritty place and then you suddenly start throwing these little oh, rays of we sunshine could go back to we could go back to suspension of belief with uh batman versus superman i what you say about martha i mean he said what'd you say about martha <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that part it's the it's the it's the idea that batman the world's greatest detective has no clue what lex Luthor is doing like really Right, and like he doesn't—he doesn't know what he's doing just across the water in Metropolis. Like Batman's just—he's just out of the loop on that. He's just, oh wait, he kidnapped your mom and your Clark Kent. I had no clue. Doesn't make any sense. Lois Lane figured this out. Batman couldn't figure this out. Not that Lois Lane is a shabby reporter. She's no. an amazing reporter, great journalist. But Batman, Batman just clueless though. He's just clueless. Batman lives that stuff. You know, yeah. that's that's his whole like. Yeah. She's a crisis reporter, greater the job and all that. It's just I would, she doesn't live that stuff. I will point to one of the greatest scenes in Justice League Unlimited when um they're running from the uh uh Hawk Girls army. What are her? I forget the name of her people, but they're running from their invading army, and they run into this clothing shop, and Bruce Wayne or Batman says, "Look, we all need to take off our costumes and put on regular clothes so we can blend in." And Flash, oh no, I don't want everybody to know my secret identity. And Batman goes, Clark Kent, Wally West, um, John Stewart, Bruce Wayne, <laughs> Diana Prince. And Wally West is like, wait, what? Yes, that's Batman. Batman right. knows. <laughs> so I got a counter. Yeah. Best, uh, actually, I might be putting my foot in my mouth here. I was going to say the best Batman scene in a cartoon animated series was when he goes into the uh you know imaginary made real forest uh-huh for uh the psychic girl who is dying yeah and sits with, with ace of spades yes. yeah that was, with her i think that's batman beyond. that is that um it's batman beyond because it's a flashback it might be terry it mcginnis might be. is sitting down with uh uh the director of amanda waller yep yeah amanda waller who is played by you're the, you're the names guy. I'm terrible with names here. What play by in the live action or yes, who does live the voice? Action, That's Viola, da- Viola, Viola Davis. Davis. Yeah, yeah. Sitting out with her, she does a flashback of Batman in the past and how how not ruthless she is. Yeah, and I, I mean that's one of my a lot of people point to that scene to show Batman's um, like 
more compassionate side that he's not just a dude who beats up on mentally insane people but i mean he is still a rich dude with daddy issues who beats up on people with yeah. mental health crises 100 <laughs> percent. and he's crazy himself yeah which is why when in another scene there's a psychic that's attacking him in his brain mm-hmm. and he essentially does the i'm you're not locked in or i'm not locked in here with you oh, you're locked Ro- in here the rorschach with me. thing yep. yeah you know yeah. type of thing he starts humming some tune yeah and drives the guy insane that's the batman we wanted to see on the scene and i thought we we got that uh Prior to Batman vs Superman. Well, I mean, that what? Don't get me wrong. I don't hate the whole movie. I hate that kind of plot point that Batman never knew. So, if you give me this movie, and you have um, Batman viewing Superman as a threat, cool. Batman is paranoid. We also know from this movie that at this point he's already lost a Robin. So, an angry, paranoid Batman um, doesn't trust this alien who got an entire city destroyed and cost a lot of lives. I'll take that. Easy day. This angry, paranoid Batman then looks for a way to stop this guy and figures out that Lex Luthor has the kryptonite, so he steals it to make kryptonite weapons. Again, easy day. This angry, paranoid Batman, who then doesn't figure out who... If you see this alien, if that's his target, he figures out who he is. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna tell me that Superman became Batman's public enemy number one and he didn't try to figure out who he was, where he was from, any of that stuff. Like those are things he would have looked into to to learn everything he can about how to break this guy down. In looking into that and learning everything he can about how to break him down, he would have found out all this stuff about Martha at yeah, some his point. Mom. Right. Yeah. So then so then at some point, Batman's gonna know if I'm investigating Clark Kent, if I'm investigating Superman, I get to Clark Kent. The only two people Clark Kent cares about are Lois and Martha Kent. So who am I watching? Lois Lane and Martha Kent. So as soon as Martha Kent is kidnapped, Bruce Wayne should know. As soon as Lois Lane is kidnapped to be dropped off the roof of a building, Bruce Wayne should know. This Everything leading up to that battle... I'll take it. It should have happened. But at the moment when Martha's kidnapped, there shouldn't have been a battle anymore. He should have been like, you know what? I'm going to kill you at some point. We're going to get to this. But I know your mom's in trouble. Go handle that. Like, right. go, do what you, go do what you got to do. That, that, sh- that, should, that fight shouldn't have happened. That's Lex classical... Luthor's a bigger threat in that moment. Yeah. It, it, not the... That opens up a whole nother can of worms. Lex Luthor. Okay. Yeah. We won't go there. That is just... <laughs> we won't we won't go to Joker Luther like yeah, Lex Joker what, what Joker Luther I don't know what I don't know what you want to call him but that is not Lex like Lex is supposed to be at least in my mind going with the comics all of that he's supposed to be evil Batman without the justice problem whatever that yeah, is he, he is he's Batman egotistical he's egotistical a, Batman he's a amoral Batman yeah. and. So this this idea of uh of the of the classic villain who listens to weird music and makes quirky jokes and is just this misunderstood eccentric guy like that's not Lex Luthor. No. Lex Luthor is not a misunderstood eccentric guy. He's just evil as fuck. He's evil as hell. He's self centered and trying to amass as much money as possible. That's it. That, that's just it. Yeah, like. You see him like normal people see him on the news and think that guy should run for president. Yeah, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but he's just evil. He's a piece of shit. (laughs) He's a piece of shit. 
And yeah. some people know stuff comes out here and there. He's uh he's Andrew Cuomo. Anyway, um, so yeah, the, the, the <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna move on. It's terrible. We're gonna move on. It's terrible. We're gonna Andrew Cuomo is terrible. Is there a resignation he's, letter coming? No, he's he's he doubled made, down. He made it very clear. Andrew Cuomo says in a quote, "Politicians didn't vote me in. Politicians can't put me out. The people put me here." I feel that, like that's if that. You, if you are a that's mayor his of, words. That's his words. He's a governor. Yes, governor of New York. Yeah. Uh, I would say something about New York politics. If you are mayor of New York, governor of New York State, like you have to have a little edge of gangster in you. I just that makes you have does you just don't respond the same to so situations. Going into Andrew Cuomo's gangster, quote unquote, it's existed for thirty plus years. When his father was running a gubernatorial campaign, it there were a lot of people who felt like Andrew Cuomo was the muscle. And wow. was going around and making sure he got votes. He apparently he is accused, right? I don't know that anyone ever proved it was him. He is accused of putting up signs in um, an Italian neighborhood during his dad's campaign, saying "Vote for Cuomo, not the homo." Wow! Because the guy who was running against his father at that time was believed to be homosexual. Wow. So that's what that's those are the types of signs he put up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's some generational stuff. Yeah, that I mean, but the guy, the guy's been a problem. Um, and speaking, like you said, yeah. So one of the things you mentioned was that uh, to to be in charge of New York, you have to have a certain level of gangster. Uh, it also seems like you have to have a certain level of controversy associated with your name. Um, so going back, a couple governors. We've got Elliot Spitzer, who had a prostitution scandal. You've got um, Governor Patterson after him, who had issues. Uh, he had issues with supposed witness tampering and accepting gifts. Um, and now you've got uh, Governor Cuomo, who's got sexual assault allegations. So New York's just not had a, a good history with governors in the last 15 years, 14 years, something like that. Not doing well. Not doing well. Yeah, bad track record. It's just horrible. Yeah, yeah it, do- it doesn't doesn't look good. Does not look good at all. So, yeah. But, yeah, back to Justice League. Um, yeah, the first one, first one just was a, it was a letdown. It was a letdown. It was, it was a letdown through and through in a lot of ways. So. All right. Now it's time for spoilers. Anything after this, you know, go ahead and uh, turn it off if you, uh, you know, care about spoilers and all. Yes, this is and, not spoiler-free reviews. We are doing this. Yeah, so again, do not proceed further. Don't yeah. want any hate mail um, <laughs> and all that good stuff. Again, though, the plot thread is the same, right? Yes. So we won't really be spoiling the ending of the movie for you or you know the thread that ties the movie together. But uh, yeah, anyway, cool, cool, yeah. cool. These, so, there's still going to be some spoilers. All right. <laughs> everything's different. Yeah. It's the same core thing. Martian Manhunter. Martian Manhunter. I'm just going to say that. Martian Manhunter. Martian Manhunter. Oh, my God. Martian Manhunter. Was it Harry Lennox is his name? Come on. Oh, my goodness. So, we see him introduced. He's the general that that is constantly interfacing with Superman in the uh, Superman movies. He's standing outside. So, uh, in the first Superman movie, when Superman breaks his cuffs and walks up to the glass with the general there... That's general. That's uh, Harry Lennox, who's playing that general 
And Joss, uh, not Joss Whedon, Zack Snyder said or showed in his storyboards that we were going to find out that that guy was the Martian Manhunter. But I didn't know we were still going to get that in this yes. movie. And we that was it. amazing. Um, got it. In the first movie, you have Martha Kent going to Lois Lane, talking to her about... This is the original release. Right, right? the original yeah. release about, you know, why she should get back to life. And you're like, wait, what? Your son just died. And you've already lost your husband. Why are you telling somebody else to like cut their grieving process? This doesn't make any sense. But then in this movie, we found out it was the Martian Manhunter having this conversation, trying to get Lois back because he felt like the world needed Lois Lane as well. And now it makes more sense. It was Martian Manhunter posing as Martha Kent to get Lois Lane back out into the world. Because that- he has some information. Yes. This, that's the cool part that it revealed because... You will later see that Lois being there, getting out into the world, even for for this movie and later, is super important. Right. She plays a super important role. Right. Lois um, Lane has to be there. Yeah. Um, Flash saves the world by going faster than the speed of light every oh, winding man. time. Oh, the depiction of goodness. Flash going faster than this, you know, breaking the speed barrier, whatever speed barrier that was, yeah. and forcing time backwards. Yes, is amazing. You have to break the rule, Flash. You have to break the rule. Yeah, you got one <laughs> rule and you got to break it. You, you got to break the rule. You got to go faster. You and they tease it early in the movie. Well, they show he breaks it earlier, but he doesn't break it for as long. Remember, he only broke it for a little bit to give charge to the mother box to revive Superman. Right. But and Oh, also Superman gets the black suit. Thank come on. Goodness. <sighs> it's just red... Red, blue, what is it? Is, is that not his, really white his, in there? Yeah, right. it's just red and blue with like gold around the S or something like that. It's not, I mean, yeah, yeah, but black cape Superman definitely, yeah, dope. black suit Superman's better. Oh, yeah. the, the apocalypse scene, so apocalypse <gasps> with Joker. Oh my god, we, oh we my finally god. Get Batman and the Joker. Oh, the new Joker. The reimagined. So Mira, uh, Mira says to Batman, what do you know about loss? And the Joker's like, well, what does he know about loss? Well, he's lost his parents. Oh, and who else has he lost? I don't know. An adopted son, a partner, a sidekick, maybe. And Batman's like, yeah. Like, chill, son. Yeah. Like, chill. He's the one who killed all those people, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. Oh, man. Yes. Everything about that movie was great. Absolutely everything. Yeah, and, and we get to see the Amazon uh, Amazonians. Yeah. You know, fare a little better. Yeah. We get to see. The I mean, Atlanteans. not much better. I don't want Fair. Uh, not, a little much, better. Yeah, a little. A little is very. And then we also get to see why Darkseid has is, to come. Has to come, and why he's being set up as actually a real fight. Right. Steppenwolf is shown as in his proper place. Yeah. He is humbled in front of mm-hmm. uh, Darkseid. Yeah. He's you know it it is by your liege yeah. you know type of stuff. And so when you have Superman ultimately give him the pause at the end, like it makes sense that yeah. whenever Darkseid does come, right, he's gonna give Superman a run for his money. Right. right. It's going to be a good fight. And but we we already know that Darkseid, right, we know him to not be invincible because they show they show Darkseid get them paws 
from the the first from time he comes to Earth to invade, you have the Themyscarans, the Amazons, um, the Themyscarans. Wow, the Amazons, yep. the Atlanteans, um, the gods, the Greek gods, the old and, gods, right, the old gods as they call them, and um, the humans unite to beat Dark Side. Right. So and, that scene in the original with Steppenwolf, right, was Dark Side in 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 Zack Snyder's vision. Yeah. yeah. So you get this scene where um Darkseid is like murking on people and everybody's like, Oh man, Darkseid is everything and then Ares just starts running towards so Zeus is throwing a lightning bolt at Darkseid. Darkseid is holding it back with his weapon, and then Ares just charges at Darkseid, yeah. leaps into the air, and smashes down. Darkseid tries to block it with his little staff thing, cuts through the staff, into Darkseid's shoulder and like chest. And the only he's bleeding, he is like dying. Yeah. Ares kicks him back with this amazing. Just get out of here, get off my axe. I don't want your body attached to my axe <laughs> anymore. Just kicks him back, and Darkseid is dragged back to his ship. He tries to sit up for a second, and then he just falls back out. It's like Spider Man and um in the Civil War movie. So I was like, no, Mr. Stark, I'm good. I can keep going. And Tony says, no, no, no. So no. He's like. All right, let's start. All right, yeah. I'm gonna lay down. Yeah, that's that was dark side. He sat up for a second. He's like, uh, uh, yeah. That's which which goes to show you who Wonder Woman is, right? Because she later puts the pause on on uh, Aries. Yeah, in in her opening, her debut movie. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and the the old scene, and then they also show Green Lantern. Yes, in that scene, you get, I mean, you it's still, a glimpse. Though. We still don't get as much love in the Green Lantern world as I want. However, one of the key things is that when Steppenwolf comes for the Mother Boxes and he's talking to Desaad, which is one of Darkseid's other generals, he says to Desaad, "This is going to be easy. There are no lanterns, and yep. there are no Kryptonians." This is going to be easy. And you get a better explanation as to why the mother boxes have uh, reawakened now that Superman has died. Like you get that in the first That's five seconds of the movie. The entire and that movie. is so key. Yes. <sighs> Having that explains everything. Because before that, you don't have any explanation. Nope. nope. We just had all these mother boxes on Earth for thousands of years and none of them ever woke up. And all of a sudden it's like, hmm. Mm, that time over. I, I guess, guess I'll just time. come on out here and do this. What time is it? Yeah. Oh shoot, it's twenty seventeen <laughs> or whatever it is. You know, uh, time for me to wake up and cause some havoc. Yeah, and this movie it opens yeah. opens with so much of a better Superman oh, screaming my his death throat. Goodness, his, his such his, a his good reverberating movie. Come on, <sighs> Zack Snyder is a genius, but he gave us the Watchmen. He gave us the first Watchmen movie. We already knew who. I will tell you this. The same movie that he used for 300, I'm pretty sure he just took yeah. that exact soundtrack and put it on a Justice League. It was just. Yeah, yeah. Zach, he Zach just Snyder. He took the exact same soundtrack from 300 and put it in a Justice League. He was like, this is going to work, right? This yeah. is good. This is good. It fits. <sighs> it fits. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't it. horrible, but goodness. Like, Zach, he loves chill, the vocals. Chill. Loves the vocals. Yeah, man. Uh, so, gotta say. Huh. They have a part two. To what? Justice League. There's not gonna be a part two. It's 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 written in under Google under Zack Snyder. Which I, I'm pretty sure that's not true. But yeah. anyway, uh yeah, he does three hundred. Yeah. He does Watchmen. 
He's got a Dawn of the Dead movie or something like that coming out to Netflix with um yeah that's got uh why can't I think of his name? I just want to call him Call Drago, but he has a real name. Jason Momoa. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, a zombie he does movie. Have a real name. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a zombie movie coming to to Netflix with Jason Momoa and some some other big name actors too. Jason Momoa, right? I mentioned because he's in this movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, Justice League. Justice League, the new one is is yeah. great. Um, I'm really, really excited for the next Mortal Kombat too. I'm hoping that there is... Oh, man. Uh, right, because the first Mortal Kombat is a classic. Mortal Kombat Annihilation was worse than Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. But the first Mortal Kombat for me was a classic. It was cheesy, but it's a classic movie. Um, so I'm hoping HBO does a good job with this new one. Um, looking at the trailers, it already looks really, really good. I'm I'm pretty excited for it. Um so yeah, we're going to we're going to see what happens and we're just going to hope and pray and cross our fingers. Yeah, I mean the that um what about the, you know, uh Godzilla. So, I got to be honest with you, I um because of the history of King Kong, I don't watch King Kong movies. Um I've seen like I saw the classic movie probably when I was a kid somewhere it came on TV and I think the 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 one with with Jack Black and Adrian Brody yeah. I've seen at some point um but it's the history of King Kong right the per, the the allegory behind King yeah, Kong see, the allegory I don't, of the dark savage and yeah, I don't like it so world. I don't I don't watch it it's it's just it just goes in that list of movies that I don't I don't want to watch and I know it's far removed from that these sure, days sure. but uh, for me that's that's one of those things that um is just ingrained in a in a negative history and I don't want to watch it um I also don't watch slavery movies um like I just I don't yeah I stopped watching those yeah, too yeah I don't watch slavery movies I think the 12 Years a Slave was the first one I stopped watching. I, so I, I watched the majority before that. I haven't seen 12 Years a Slave. No. I haven't seen Amistad. I haven't seen... Um, I haven't watched uh, Roots or the remake of Roots. I haven't... Like, I just... Man, I, I'm trying to think of any any of these slavery movies that I have watched. I didn't watch Harriet. Like, I, I can't think of a slavery movie not in the last 20 years. 15 to 20 years that I have watched. I mean, I'm sure there's one, but I can't I can't think of anything offhand right now. I don't like them. I'm I'm not a fan at all. So yeah, I don't I don't watch them. I don't especially because usually they're not they're shittily done as far as like the, there's always a white savior in there. There's always you know, there's a couple of tropes that you just got to have that yeah. that I just you go to the yeah. the African American Museum yeah. And you just see the experience of slavery is nothing has never been depicted in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing. While we're on that, two museums that or or I will two museums that are essential to visit to me are the Blacks and Wax Museum, which is located in Maryland, and then the National Museum of African American History and Culture or the Blacksonian, located in DC, um, on the Washington Mall. And um for the Blacks and Wax Museum, you just need a day, and you can get through that. For the Blacksonian, you need a few days, and you need like uh, some intestinal fortitude, yep. and you need to be prepared. And if you shed a few tears, like it's okay, bro. To. Like it's okay, it's absolutely okay. That is a that is a 
daunting and painful museum to walk through, but it's it's a necessary museum to mm-hmm. walk through to fully understand. I don't I don't think you can fully understand just the American experience without understanding her flaws and her failures, and that was a huge failure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's important to to go through that museum. Um, the uh, the gentleman who uh, pushed for that museum, who is now the the director of the Smithsonian, um, I'm going to get his name real quick. He did an interview, um, and I was able to listen to that interview. Lonnie Bunch the third. Mm. He um, he got a job out of college uh, working for the Smithsonian. And um, then went on to other jobs, and then came back to the Smithsonian, and uh, was working on the Blacksonian. I th- I think he said in the interview for somewhere between ten and fifteen years he was working on that. Wow. Um, started off vision. started off with him and I think two people. Like he didn't even have a full staff. Him and two people, and then right they got more people. They actually got the got Congress to. Um, at some point, Congress was giving them options for different spaces. Like, where do you want it? It can be here on the mall, like where it is. That was one of them. Then there were some other options that were not on the mall, like the Holocaust Museum. I think it's part of the Smithsonian, but it's not on the mall. Right. right? So he had the option of having the museum not on the mall, but he chose that land. Right. And he got his budget. He brought in engineers. At some point they were digging and they hit a bunch of water. And he was like, man, this is going to be America's most expensive pool. (laughs) (laughs) But they brought in a bunch of engineers. They figured it out. Right. Because he wanted he wanted you to come in and go down. And he was talking about the concept of it. Uh, You've been so you, you know, you don't. The museum starts at. You go all the way down, take the elevator all the way down, and then you zigzag back and forth as you go up. And he said the reason it's not a direct ascent is because the black people in America haven't had a direct ascent. Yeah. We've zigzagged through American culture on our effort to come up and like, bro, that's heavy amazing yes. absolutely amazing so if you if you've never had the opportunity to go to those museums and they're closed right now um but he was saying something about there being a lot of materials that are available online um because teachers are, are yes. teaching online and parents are teaching from home so go on to the smithsonian's website and and take a look at that they're, they're probably um i don't know if they're virtual tours i don't remember him using the phrase virtual tours but there are a lot of resources from um, the various Smithsonian's that are available online. Yeah. So, so take yeah. an opportunity and go to those things and they will eventually open back up, right? We'll get past this and get back to some semblance of normalcy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Hey, I, I've been to like 80% of the museums and stuff that the Smithsonian has in the vicinity of the mall. Okay. And yeah. Gotta I, say most impactful i've most been to all of them so well i mean but i'm from virginia right so yeah. like dc is i mean that's just a thing so i've been to all the smithsonian museums um i i love the wright brothers flyer like the fact that that's the actual wright brothers flyer right? yeah like <sighs> come on like and there's a uh there's an article the if you, the same too, if, the you if, if you look up an article there was an article from the new yorker the new york times something around there where they said man will not fly for at least a million years this was less than a week before the wright brothers did their wow. flight. wow less than a week less than a week 
people people aren't meant to fly. Like we're not gonna fly. That's not a thing we're gonna do. I really hold my beard. Yeah. So going, <laughs> going back to the Blacksonian real okay. quick. So we went and toured. Uh, I want to say it was either Air and Space Museum or one of the. I can't remember exactly which one. Uh, but they had in it a little annex, uh-huh. like off to the side, a little shoot, go around the corner. Don't okay. really know that you're about to see yeah. an exhibit, but then oh, take this isn't a janitor's closet. Take two lefts and a right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. this isn't a janitor's closet you know, <laughs> type of thing. Uh, and they had like um, basically a little corner of African Americans in uniform. You know, it had you know it ended with Colin Powell. Was that at the time? Yeah, last you know, black guy in uniform, Colin Powell. Last one. Last you know? one. <laughs> not not Admiral Howard. No. Not the first four star in the United States this Navy. Be- yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's before him or not, but uh, I mean, obviously not before him, but before he got his fourth star. But you go there, and it has a bunch of it has a bunch of Black Purple Hearts recipients. Mm-hmm. You know their little citations, all this other stuff, and I just remember. It, being so refreshed when we go to when we went to the Blacksonian, and you had the history of African American. Were you were there when it was that exhibit? The history of African Americans in the military, in this in the Smithsonian, in the Blacksonian. Oh no, no. So that um, so that, that sounds cool. When you when you go down the escalator, right, and you're about to go to the elevator, and you look over to the left, there's a separate exhibit over there. Okay, so he was saying at one time it was a an exhibit about something when I went. So this would have been January, so about a year ago, just mm-hmm. before COVID. Right. That exhibit over there was a history of African Americans in the U.S. military. Yeah. You want to talk about, like, fucking amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Loved that exhibit. It was it was amazing. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, know, I know that word is used so heavily oh, and yeah. so frequently, but... To be to be black in the Navy, right, and have had that experience of being black in the military, which, contrary to what anyone says, is not the same as a white experience in the military. Like, I'm not going to say we haven't come a long way because both of my grandfathers served, so I know we've come a long, long way. But it's it's still not equal, right? And yeah, so to be able that speak for themselves, right. <laughs> like, look at anything from disciplinary advancement rates, yeah. attention rates, everything like that. It's just- yeah. All, it's, it's there the, for reading. Yeah. But to be able to go through that exhibit and look at that, it was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to still be the one there when they open up after COVID, but yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I really yeah, did. We have to do um, an episode one day about serving because that's the topic. You know, I've seen that, you know, you go to a different world. They got that we'll, episode. Where... We'll reserve that topic for after you get out because I don't know oh, how yeah. many of your military that, friends uh... or higher ups listen to your podcast. And I don't want you to I don't want you to endure yeah, any, any not, hardships at work. That's not something for now. No, no, we'll do we'll do that later. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, as a prelude, I would just say this. My, my opinions aren't, you know, aren't strong. OK. In the sense that. Is is it is not a failed institution any more so than any other institution, but yes. there's very clear marks. I I will agree that the military. So here's the thing that I think people need to keep in mind: the military is not any more separate from America than any other institution in the United States. Nope. It is as I would say it is as American. racially biased as 
any American institution. Like, you just pick an institution. It's racially biased. It's in America. Pick an American institution. It's probably got, if you were to look into numbers and stats about anything, it's probably got some racial bias associated with it. Military's no different. Like, I don't I don't think it's worse or better or anything. Yeah. I just think it's it's, uh, it's about par for the course. <laughs> it's, yeah. for, for the American course, it's it's par. It's par. As it as it should be, citizen soldiers, <laughs> you know, citizen soldiers, citizen sailors. Yeah, but we'll we'll save all that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, full circle. Yeah. So how we got to the black Sonian, how we got to uh, blacks in uniform. Right. Um, I don't know, but Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder, is a good <laughs> segue into all those topics. Yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm glad we got to see. Uh, Justice League as he envisioned it um, as he planned it uh, he releases ideas for what Justice League 2 and 3 were going to be um, very disappointed that we won't get to see those fleshed out um, but you know yeah. it is it is what it is so, some things you just don't you don't get do you think because the director's release director's cut or something like that it's not a new, it's not a new thing no it's but, not a, it's not a new concept there's no. always there's the there's the four hour version of of the Lord of the Rings movies, yep. that's that's the director's cut, right? The the extended edition, right? That they always say. So they don't always use the term director's cut, mm-hmm. but you have the theatrical version and the extended version, right? So, so with the streaming services, do you think there's a space now for more of these? For so, I don't. I won't say that streaming services give a space for more uh, director's versions of movies because the big appeal of a director's version is that you have this theatrical release and if you go see it in theaters, why would I buy why would I buy it on DVD? Oh, it's because the DVD is going to have this extended director's cut. So I don't think streaming services are going to create a market for director's cuts, but they do create a better market for directors because they're less concerned about runtimes. Yes, I believe yep. your Netflix and your Hulu and your HBO Max and Amazon have less concern about runtime mm-hmm. than um, a company that's sending this to theaters. I think oh, they're, yeah, the theaters I think they're, are like, no, right. no, I don't want you to occupy my theater right. before. They're hours. a little bit less concerned because, you know, I don't I don't care how much of the, how much time you spend watching this movie. You're going to, you pay my service the same fee. Whereas like you said, in the theater, if I got a four hour movie, I'm trying to show it as many times as I can while the theater's open. I need 30 minutes between each showing to clean Mm -hmm. out the theater. I'm getting less showings, which means I get less money. Whereas on HBO Max, if you got a four hour movie, turns out you still pay me my 35 bucks or whatever the fee is for HBO. You still pay that same amount every month, whether you watch one four hour movie, 27 hour movies, zero movies, like I get the same cost out of you. So, yeah, sure. Whatever. Is this, is this your vision for our movie? Go ahead, bro. Do what you do. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't care. So, so yeah. I, uh, I think that directors have more freedom on streaming services. You certainly see the increase in freedom with um, certain TV shows mm-hmm. and certain comedians, right? So, oh, yeah, Adam, the, the Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler is loving netflix he's releasing a ton of stuff on netflix dave Chappelle, yeah. right working with netflix um you've got bill burr working with netflix you got Patton oswalt doing stuff on netflix chris rock releases special on netflix so so comedians right comedians in cars getting coffee mm-hmm. and my next yep. guest with um oh my goodness larry? 
Why can't I think? Yeah, David Letterman, yep. my next guest, right? Those are on Netflix because these people have more freedom and, well, I, from the outside looking in, seems like people have more freedom and control, more of what they want comes through on Netflix. And yeah. you've got Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy released Coming to America on Amazon. Like, these are, I'm noticing, I'm looking at trends here. Yeah. These people are saying, um, Shonda Rhimes went to Netflix. Uh, Kenya Barris went to Netflix. Like these are these are major directors and producers and writers who are saying, eh, I don't know about these services. Let me get over here, right? The the guy who gave us Blackish is now on Netflix. Yeah. Like, like so <laughs> the other thing is the is the is the paywall factor too. Like if I want a million billion people to watch my art, you know, do I put it on Netflix or do I put it on CBS? Fair. I'm going to put it on Netflix. That's fair. I want a million, but, million people. But I'm also interested in how they judge the success. Because it's very easy to judge the success of a movie in theaters. Avengers Endgame made $2 billion. Yeah. That's successful as fuck. They have how some do you judge algorithm. The, yeah, I'm sure they have an algorithm. But how do you judge budget to income of this particular movie when you just have millions of people paying for your service in general. So they have, there is a proprietary algorithm they have that basically makes a box office, uh, parallel or something. You know, basically that's, a simulated box office. That's effect. wild though to me. Like, I don't, I mean, you know, smart, smarter people than me and they're clearly making money. So whatever. And then it, basically what they're trying to get at is, what we all did for, or what some of us did for Zack Snyder's cut, is yeah. that hey, I realized that you know, Series X is on Netflix. I gotta get an account and watch it. Right. You know, so I yeah put some dollars up. You know, uh, that's true. That's true. I and it, Dave Chappelle's on Netflix. Right. Right. I just I wonder when you have watch parties, right? So, um, let's take Disney's idea. So Disney did the paywall for Raya and the Last Dragon, and they did the paywall for the live action Mulan, where it was a premiere thing for the first 30, 30 days or something like that. You had to pay extra to yeah. watch it. So it begs the question, do you think that these other streaming services will start to go towards paywalled big movies like that? So that, that way, because, all right, if I don't have, so for we both have HBO Max, right? But you did the watch party. If I didn't have HBO Max and you host a watch party of like 10 of your friends who come watch it and none of those 10 separate households have HBO Max, like now they're not making as much money. So do you think that they start to put paywalls or, or you think that's just going to stay a, a rich Disney thing? Uh, it's probably, I mean, it's, it's probably going to be a little bit at all on the market. I mean, yeah. you look at Amazon, Amazon's, Amazon Prime is very heavy on pay the watch you but know, but that's not Amazon stuff. They don't make you anything that Amazon makes. You don't have to pay to watch if you have. Prime. Right, that's the hook to get yeah. you in. Yeah. But there's a lot of like a lot of their content is yeah. pay to watch, and then and then you go back to uh, CBS Plus or whatever the heck. It yeah, is. everybody has a plus now. Like yeah. you've got you've got CBS, C- Comedy Central, Panasonic, or Panamax, or whatever. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't know. But everybody has a plus, and it's Paramount. 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 Paramount yeah. has the Paramount Plus and yeah. is it is a ridiculous sum of pluses right now. Yeah. And it, it makes you go back to the same thing that you started back in the, you know, the what is it, the late nineties, early two thousands was. I'm tired of paying all this stuff to watch this content. You know. 
I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to violate the law here, here on that recording, <laughs> but uh, I understand no. the sentiments. No, no, no. I would never, never encourage anyone to violate the law, but, but understanding that there are extra legal ways to achieve uh, desired results. I just know that it is a fact that extra legal means to achieve desired results exist. I would not encourage I, people to participate, but if we're making a statement of fact, those means exist. I am actively clutching my pearls right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my my apologies for having scared you in such a way. Yes. Um, since you are so fearful, I think that's probably a good point to call it and yes. let you you know recompose yourself. Um, and <laughs> in in our endeavors, right, to be better podcasters, we spend a lot of time listening to podcasts. And one of the things I've noticed on a lot of podcasts, we put in our show notes, like um, essentially credits for the podcast. I, I put that in the show notes whenever I publish a podcast. Um, but I've listened to a lot of podcasts and like, I don't read show notes for other podcasts. I listen to the podcast. Yeah. So right, who's producing, who's doing what, who's doing this and that? Like, I don't know, except that they say it at the end of the podcast. So in our endeavor, right, to make sure you guys know who is contributing to the art that you love to listen to, here's our show notes. Um, this has been Ingenious Perspectives, brought to you by co-hosts Dominic Speller and Lawrence McCarran, edited by Dominic Speller. Music, intro music by Michael Finney. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. Um, not the show, but us individually <laughs> yes. on Instagram. Um, my name is Vitruvian Plato, and I don't know what is what. Are you? Oh. I gotta, I gotta look on that. Okay. I don't, I don't know my Instagram name. <laughs> Put me on spot there. <laughs> you know, it's fine. I can just edit all of this out. I can just edit it all out. No big deal. Uh, oh wait, I'm still finding it. Oh man, I'm gonna have to edit a lot out now. Goodness uh, gracious, bro. It is uh, Larry the engineer. Is there underscores? Oh, Larry underscore the underscore engineer. Yes. Okay. All right. Wow. That was a lot. Okay. Cool. So we'll go back. So again, Vitruvian Plato, um, and then Lawrence's Larry underscore the underscore engineer. Um, we also have our Facebook page, um, facebook.com slash IP podcast. Um, and our website to listen to our podcast. Although I guess if you're listening, you don't really need the website to listen to the podcast. So yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, last thing, definitely uh, a uh, very important contributor uh, to this podcast. Um, definitely want to always give shout outs to uh, Megan Thee Stallion. This is um, constant quotes there. Yes, kudos. right. Ma- kudos. Major kudos to Miss. Um, and again, I don't know that we're familiar enough to call her Megan Thee Stallion. I believe we should refer to her by her whole name as Miss Megan Javon Ruth Pete. Mm. Um, yeah. So so mm-hmm. major major kudos to her because a respectful man yeah I, tr- I try to be a respectful man a respectful man who will purchase backstage passes for the first megan javon ruth p concert to come to virginia that's happening i don't care about the cost um i'm going to shake her hand and then not be able to formulate words like an idiot hi dominic i'm megan <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, anyway, this is uh, this is a bit of genius perspectives. Um, y'all keep expanding your paradigms and watch Justice League again. Peace.